you have your Bible tonight, I'd ask you to turn with me to Matthew 14. We're going to start at verse 26. We've been uh, going through some proofs of Jesus' uh, divinity. And tonight we're going to look at uh, the proof of his divine protection. Uh, Let's look at uh, verse 26 and 27. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Another proof of Jesus' identity and and deity was manifested in his protection of the disciples. He was always concerned about his family. He was always concerned about those that followed him. You know, he fed them out in the wilderness. He watched over them uh, in the cities. Uh, He did everything that he could do to be helpful to them and to their ministry. At first, he approached them. Uh, They thought uh, they were getting anything but help. Uh, They looked, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, This is during a big storm. They're having a big storm out there. They were frightened, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. When you're afraid, does your voice leave you? Or are you able to just scream? Uh, You know, when something real scary happens, uh, I usually just kind of look at it. Uh, I don't scream, and I don't lose my voice. Uh, you know, we all sort of respond differently. Here it says the disciples cried out in fear. They were scared to death. A bunch of these big, strong men are scared to death. And so they start yelling. For a ghost to be anywhere near them was enough to make them frightened almost out of their senses. Many of the liberal interpretations insist here that the disciples only thought they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Really, he was walking on the seashore. Um, You know, it's real important, the books that you read. Uh, If you're not careful, you know, you can get the wrong books. Uh, One of the things that uh, I think is really, really important that everybody that's going to be a teacher of the Word of God or everybody that's going to be involved in propagating the gospel or everyone that needs to be able to defend their faith, you've got to have a background of good books. Uh, You've got to know the uh, chapter and verse. You've got to know uh, what it says and what it means. And you've got to have conservative commentaries. There are a number of very liberal ones out, and the more you read them, the more confused you'll be. So you want to find some books, some commentaries that are real good. Now, our library uh, has three or four different sets of commentaries, and I've checked them out. Uh, They're uh, conservative. They're helpful. uh, They give you the Word of God. They exalt the Word of God. They stand by the Word of God. You know, that's so important. If we don't have it right theologically, uh, it's our own fault in many instances. We're either going to the wrong church or we're reading the wrong books or we're listening to the wrong neighbor. 
You know, neighbors will say the craziest things. You know, they, they think they know so much about it, and they don't know anything. You know, I've heard people say the most idiotic things and, and just swear that it's true. Uh, you know, you, you have to just kind of wonder, you know, where they're coming from. Cindy and I were on vacation once, and this uh, guy was teaching the class. And uh, have I told this? I'm trying to think if I've told this. Uh, this guy was teaching. The, we, we always go to Sunday school and uh, when we're on vacation in church. And so we went in, and this guy got out some papers, and he started reading these papers. And about two-thirds of the way through, I said, uh, now, you know, nobody knew me from Adam. I said, what are you reading? Because what he was saying wasn't right. I said, what are you reading? He said, well, these are some papers that I have written. And I said, uh, well, one of the things he was doing was being critical of Billy Graham. And I said, uh, well, brother, I gave him the option of being right at least I said uh, you know Billy Graham has been instrumental in leading thousands and thousands of people to Jesus you know if you're studying something or reading something that's critical of him you need to back up and go to a different place because he has been serving the Lord effectively for many many years I said, what is that stuff? Where did that stuff come from? And he kept saying he wrote it. And uh, so finally, I just got quiet. I thought, well, I've said enough. After the class was over, somebody came up to me and Cindy, and they said, uh, you know, this is his last week teaching. (laughs) And I'm not sure I'm remembering remembering this right, but I think I said, good, good. Well, you have to know what you're reading. You have to know the validity of it, and you have to know whether it lifts up the Word of God. You have to know whether they really believe the Word of God. You know, if, if we don't have a, a belief in the Word, then we're lost. We're lost in the wilderness. You know, we've got to hold it up and stand by it and stand for it, Amen. or we're lost. There's just no question about it. Well, These uh, disciples were scared. Uh, They thought this is some kind of apparition out there, and uh, they were just uh, terrified. Uh, The explanation that the liberal commentary give doesn't give uh, a reason why all the disciples at the same time saw the same thing. Uh, You know, One person could have eaten something funny and made their stomach upset or something. But uh, everybody on the boat saw the same thing at the same time. So it was there. It was obviously there. Uh, He got into the boat with them, the scripture says. You know, you can't go from the land to just step into the boat. You know, there has to be some space between the shore and the boat. Uh, but the scripture says he climbed in to the boat. And as soon as he did, the storm ceased. Now that whole passage of scripture there is just horrible to the liberal uh, theologians. They don't like any of that. 
But that's what the Word of God says. And so that's what we want to hold to. That's what we want to believe. Because of the darkness, the mists, the mist from the wind and the waves, the fatigue from their rowing out where they were, the fear of what had already gripped them because of the storm that was bearing down on them, uh, they really didn't recognize Jesus when he appeared. Uh, Mark reports that they all saw him, Mark 6, verse 50. In the dark before the dawn, hopelessness, turned to utter horror and despair as they saw this thing that looked to them like a ghost. In their panic, they could not help but cry out in fear. He calmed their fear fear by saying simply, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now they recognized his voice. When he spoke, they knew they were okay. You know, as long as they were looking in the midst of the uh, wind and the waves and all of that, it was scary. But when they heard his voice, they knew that everything was going to be okay. In spite of the raging winds, the waves battering against the boat, their fear-stricken minds, immediately they felt secure. Jesus did not walk on the water to teach the disciples how to walk on the water. That wasn't the purpose of it. You know, Peter tried it and he failed. Uh, We have that recorded. The Lord's purpose was to demonstrate his loving willingness to do whatsoever was necessary to rescue his children. That's the way he feels about you. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. I went over and saw Leanne today. Uh, She's in the hospital and... uh, Cindy and I went over and visited with her for just a minute. And I said, well, we love you, and we're praying for you. Said a little prayer, and we left. We were there about a minute and a half. We didn't stay very long at all. She was sick. You know, you're in the hospital for a reason. You don't want to camp out over there. You want to just kind of go in and and see them and then move on. Well, uh, he didn't have to walk on the water to save them. But his doing so gave them an unforgettable reminder of how much he loved them. How much power he had and the extent of his divine protection. It was not to teach them to walk on the water, but to reach them with a wonderful message that God can and will act on behalf of his own. And he's still doing that today. He's there with Leanne in the hospital. He loves her. He's trying to lift her up, trying to help in the healing. We will never find ourselves in a place where Christ cannot find us. And no storm is too severe for him uh, not to be able to save us from it. He protects his own, whom he will never fail nor Forsake, Hebrews 13, 5. The lesson for the disciples is the lesson for us. There's no reason for God's people to be afraid. Now, I want to confess tonight that there's been a number of times in my Christian life that I've been very much afraid. Uh, I've had a lot of very interesting things happen 
one time I got gasoline at a 7-Eleven and I went up uh, to the door to get something and the door was locked. It was in the middle of the day. And so I pulled on the door and uh, the door wouldn't open. And so I got up next to the uh, glass and looked in and there was a guy in there who looked like a sack on his head. And I thought, well, what in the world is that guy doing in there with a sack on his head? And then, duh, (laughs) I figured it out. And I ran back to my car. I took down the license plate number of three or four cars that were right by the door before I left. I thought, you know, I'm going to help catch this guy. But uh, I got out of there just uh, as quickly as I could. Sometimes, you know, we get afraid. We do. And we need, when we do that, to call out on the Lord in our heart and ask him to be with us and to help us through uh, whatever it is. Life is often stormy and painful. It's threatening sometimes. And sometimes it's frightening. In spite of that, the storm is never so severe. The night is never so black. And the boat never so frail that we risk danger beyond our Father's care. Now the Lord, reaching back to this morning, the Lord has has given us his blessing. And those that he blesses, he loves. And he has blessed you. If you're one of his, he has given you his blessing. And of course, uh, he cares about you and loves you. And you really don't need to be afraid. So the disciples who were reluctant, reluctant, reluctant to leave Jesus and to go to Capernaum obeyed by rowing out uh, into the storm. They knew the storm was coming, but there they were. And Jesus honored their faithfulness. When believers are in the place of obedience, they are in the place of safety no matter what the circumstances might be. Now, you know, somebody would immediately say, well, what about those guys that were on TV that uh, had their throats slit? You know, there's a whole line of them on the shore. What about those guys? They were Christian. Didn't God care about them? Well, you know, you have to look at so many things with uh, a a wider viewpoint. You have to look at some things in light of eternity. As soon as they were killed, their heads were cut off, they were in the presence of Jesus. And things immediately got a whole lot better for them. They were with him in glory forever. And you have to look at some things that way because, you know, as you know, down through the years, there are a lot of folks that have given their lives for Christ. They've been martyrs. There are martyrs today for Christ over in those radical Muslim territories. They're killing Christians just as fine, as quickly as they can. They're trying to wipe out all the Christians in that whole part of the world so that they won't ever be bothered by them again. 
Well, look at verse 28. And Peter answered Jesus and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter was naturally uh, an impetuous and brash uh, person. You know, we read that all through the Gospels. He always was talking when sometimes he should have been quiet. Uh, But it would have taken more than brashness for this lifelong fisherman to have ventured out onto the water uh, without the benefit of a boat because nobody on board that boat knew more about the sea than Peter did. He was a fisherman. He knew all about these storms and all about the water and what can happen to you and how you can be blown around and how you can die quickly. Peter asked the Lord, command me to come to you. On the water. He knew Jesus had the power to do that. And he wanted to be near the Lord whom he loved. But he did not presume to attempt the feat without the exact instruction from Jesus to do it. So he asked Jesus to call him out. Peter's request was an act of affection built on a confident faith. Now... That is a great basis for making decisions in your spiritual life. An act of affection built on a confident faith. Now think about that. If you have those two things, you love the Lord and you're acting based on your faith, then you've got the the right groundwork uh, laid for you. You can move forward. With the greatest of compassion, Jesus called out to him, said, come on. He really just said, come. I'm from the south. Uh, He said, come. Uh, He was highly pleased that uh, Peter wanted to be with him. So as much as anything else, it was Peter's great love for Christ that made him the leader of the disciples. You know, he appears to have been the closest person to our Lord. You know, when there's a listing of the disciples, guess whose name is always first? Peter's. Always. Although Peter was sincere, he did not comprehend the reality or the extremity of what he was asking the Lord to do, either for him or to him. From the relative safety of the boat that he was in, uh, he, he didn't think about the terrifying nature of stepping out of the boat. Once Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water toward our Lord, the situation appeared radically different. All of a sudden, it was terribly scary. Peter temporarily took his eyes off the Lord and thought, Boy, that's a big wave coming right there. 
Seeing the wind, it says, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. His faith was enough to get him out of the boat. But it wasn't enough to carry him across the sea. He took his eyes off of the Lord. You know, there's bound to be a sermon there. He took his eyes off the Lord. Is our faith strong enough to get us out of the boat? Now think about that. Is your faith strong enough to get you out of the boat? Whatever the situation we're in, if it turns sour, if it turns south, if it turns bad, you want to know who, upon whom to call. You want to call upon the Lord. When things get rough, things get tough, you need a Savior. And you need him right then. And you need to call out. You know, some people find their most desperate moments in their bed at night. They begin thinking about the ramifications of their life and what they've done and what they're doing and mistakes that they have made and things that they've said that have been ill-tempered and wrong. When Peter was beginning to sink, he was probably fully clothed. You know, it's not good swimming in the ocean when you have all your clothes on. But he did. Great difficulty. And his fright was so powerful that he couldn't think of anything but drowning. You know, he he at first had his eyes on Jesus, and then he took his eyes off Jesus. And then all of a sudden he thought, man, I'm drowning. And he called out, Lord, help me, help me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That's what Jesus said. The reason for his doubt uh, seems obvious to me. Uh, He was bone weary from rowing most of the night. He was scared to death by the storm. Uh, He had seen what he thought was a ghost. And now it seems he was about to drown. Uh, No wonder he wanted to reach out uh, to the Lord. Peter's weak faith was much better than no faith. You know, some of us are critical of people that don't have a lot of faith. Well, it's better to have some than none. You know, most people that have been around church, been around Christians much, they have some faith. Most people that have trusted in Christ, they have some faith. You know, a lot of us here tonight, if the bad guys came in and said, okay, all the Christians... Stand up. Are there any Christians on that row? And if you stood up, they killed you. And they went to the next row and they said, all the people in here that are Christians, stand up. And then they shot the ones that stood up. By the time it got up to your row, what would you be thinking? You know, there's a lot of people that have had so much faith that they have been willing to stand for Christ in any kind of a situation. Peter was doubting, but he loved Jesus. He knew that Jesus could save him, and so he called out to his Lord. He called out to his Savior. 
If we cry out to the Lord for help, he will come to our rescue as surely as he did to Peter. Now let's look at our last verse tonight, verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. It was like the wind was watching, and when the miracle was over, the wind stopped. It seemed like it was all kind of timed. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Now these disciples had been with Jesus a good while. They had seen all the things that he had done. And they had stood with the crowds and and said, Isn't that amazing when Jesus would do a miracle or when Jesus would heal somebody of leprosy or Jesus would touch somebody's eyes and all of a sudden they could see or all of a sudden... They could hear after he touched their ears. You know, they had been in the crowd, and, and they had uh, always been amazed, as everybody else was. But when Jesus did this, it moved beyond amazement to worship. It moved to worship. You know, Jesus did signs and wonders. He did miraculous things. Why did he do that? He did that to attract crowds because he wanted people to know that he was the Lord of all life, that he was the Messiah, the chosen of God. He could have preached great uh, sermons, but a lot of people wouldn't have believed. But when he started raising people from the dead, guess what? Most of them believed when they saw that. When these disciples saw what he did there in the boat on the sea and all of a sudden the storm stops, they they turn their amazement into worship. First, we have an intellectual awareness of spiritual things. If you were saved later on in life, now you check me out here if it doesn't go in these steps. First, there is an intellectual awareness awareness then as you realize what you're seeing is true there is an intellectual assent you realize this really is happening and then there is faith you begin to have faith you begin to grow in your faith You begin to grow in your belief. Your belief system begins to reach out and to mature and to develop. And then it turns to worship. You know, I I always hope that people will be in the place when the Spirit of God breaks out in power. You know, on Monday mornings, we meet every week, and we pray for about 45 minutes. We pray for a great revival to sweep across our land. You know, I'm sure you've heard about some of these great uh, revivals that have happened where people that were walking by the building, that were walking by the building outside of the wall, would fall to the ground and be saved. Couldn't even hear what was happening inside. You know, we have some books about those great, unbelievable revivals that have broken out in this country. There was a girl that got on a bus, and this has been validated by a lot of people. girl got on a bus, and she 
felt the Lord leading her. I think it was after the Asbury Revival. And she began preaching to the people in the bus. And the bus driver pulled over, and everybody on the bus, everybody on the bus was saved. Wouldn't you like to be there when the Spirit of God breaks out in power? In power. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want to see happen. And I hope we can be there when it does. Well, tonight, uh, perhaps you're here and uh, there would be a decision for Christ that you'd like to make. You know, we have a lot of invitations in this church. We, we do it all the time. And we never know, of course, uh, when folks are going to come. I came on a Sunday night. I slipped out and slipped forward and took Christ as my Savior on a Sunday night. Maybe you're here tonight. You've been thinking about it, praying about it. Maybe tonight would be the time. If you're here, you need a church home, maybe tonight would be the night. We'd love to have you come. We're going to stand and sing, and and God, I hope, is going to lead every heart. Let's stand together.